0: If you get your notes out today, look with me, if you would please, at the book of um, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 20. It is my intent today to show you how important it is to be focused on being healthy. The topic of the sermon, repeat with me, please say, courageously Courageously. focused Focused. on on being healthy. It's easy to become unhealthy. It's really easy. It's an easy thing for a person to start off in a good direction and end up in a bad place. And sometimes sincere people over time become unhealthy. And the question I want to look at today is why, especially why they become emotionally unhealthy. I believe there are four reasons that people become emotionally unhealthy. And it's so it's so easy to slip into that. And by the way, I recommended a book to you last week uh, in, uh, by Peter Scazzaro. Uh It's called "Emotionally uh, Healthy Spirituality." Say that with me, please. Come on, "emotionally healthy spirituality." So, book is ten years old. It's, it's updated now. It's a really wonderful read, though. And uh, I told you that there was uh, a list I gave you last week of four. Uh, categories of, 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 of description regarding, or four ways he described the emotional state of a person, because he said some people are 40 years old in age, but they're 20, year old, 20 years old emotionally, and so let's, if you can remember the four categories, the first one, say, say emotional infant, Emotion. you can be an emotional infant, say emotional children, Emotion. emotional adolescent, Emotion. and emotional adult. I discovered that I was wrong. It it is in the updated version of the book, the written page. I think it's on like one page, 160 or so, 169. So if you look on this, there's chapter 7 in the written book. So if you get the book, uh, just run to chapter 7, you can see this. But it's a wonderful read. And what he basically argues is sometimes we can be emotionally unhealthy. And so if you're an emotional infant, he says you tend to think people should take care of you. That's your your assumption. And then he goes through and says an emotional child They're fine as long as they're not corrected. They want things their way. They're happy until things don't go quite your way. an emotional adolescent, they just don't like being confronted. But an emotional adult is aware of who they are. They're comfortable in their own skin. They are aware of their failures and strengths. It's just a great read. So if you didn't hear the sermon from last week, you can go get it and listen to it. It's right online, and it's free. Or you can get the book in in Chapter 7 and read that list of, of descriptions. It's really helpful. In our study, though, we're looking at a guy who was emotionally immature. This was a guy who didn't have to be immature, but he just did not become what he could have become in life. I, I love the life of Saul because it's honest and it's, it's clear. And we'll see four reasons Saul became unhealthy, four reasons. Now, I want to say this again because I want to make sure you heard this because if you weren't here last week, God chose Saul. Say that with me, please. Come on. God chose Saul because God believed in Saul. God believed Saul had the potential. This was not an accident. This is a guy that was handpicked by God to be the leader. Sometimes God will choose you when you're not fully developed because he knows you can can make the right choices if you decide to and have an amazing life. So it's it's like being at a fork in the road. Should I go or not go? Should I say it or not say it? Should I read it or not read it? Should I study or not study? Go to school or not go to school? Should I save the money or not save the money? All of your life you're in this, you know, act ugly, be patient. That's fork in the road. Saul lived his life going down the wrong road. He'd always go left when he should go right. And it wasn't, it wasn't because he couldn't go right. He made a, he made a decision. And so, over his life, and this is what we're looking at today. We're taking a look at his whole life. So we'll look through a few chapters. You'll see a trend, and then uh, not the following week, the week following, when we come back to the study, we'll show you how he had this. He had this struggle with obedience, and I'll do a whole sermon on courageously obedient. That there are times in your life when you just need to do what's right. It may not be fun. It may it may mean you'll be isolated. It's amazing how I see this with single people. They'll say, well, you know, I, if I did that, I wouldn't have anybody to go out with on Friday night. So, so you're willing to sacrifice being obedient to have a date on Friday night. There, there's something about Saul's mindset that so parallels ours at times. That's why I chose him. Because he's, he's, <laughs> he's an honest look at how we sometimes live our lives. So I'm not reading this to make myself sound like I'm better than Saul. I want you to be clear. I'm reading this because I think we're more like him if we're not careful. So there are four things specifically that I think are reasons why Saul became unhealthy. So let me read them first, and then we'll come back to them. Say, the way he managed responsibility. The way he managed managed the the success of others. The way he managed instructions. And the way he managed his own failures. failures. Notice this is a guy. Notice the way he responded to responsibility. Now I talked about this last week. It's in chapter 10 verse 20 that God publicly announces through Samuel that he's going to be king. In chapter 9 of 1 Samuel, he's told he's going to be king privately. So he's given a private warning. Samuel comes to him, anoints him, and says, all right, listen. Uh, But really, he really comes to Samuel because he's out looking for a donkey. Look, he's out and he can't find his, his, one of his animals got loose. And so God led him right to Samuel. Samuel takes him away privately and says, you're going to be the next king. In chapter 10, he's now about to announce him as being king. But watch how he responds to this responsibility. He has a time to think between the time he was told privately and now the time publicly. And in that time, he decided he wasn't going to do it. Because when it was time for him to be announced, watch what happens. Chapter 10, verse 20, when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen, and when he had caused the tribes of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Moultrie was chosen, and then Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. If you read on down, he was hiding in the luggage and the equipment. When they went to try to find him, he was running from his responsibilities, and that's the first sign that this guy is in trouble. Now, again, you have to be clear that it is a big thought that he's going to be king. But this was an opportunity, amazing opportunity, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that God gave him. And so I want you to think about this and look at your own life and ask the question, am I the kind of person who easily responds to his responsibility in a way that's not healthy? You, sir, now have a, an amazing choice, but he didn't want anything to do with it. You know, but I can relate to that. You know what I say all the time? You, know, you might, might find this strange. We, we, all, I, say it, I say it all the time. How in the world do I get a job where I get in front of people? How in the world do I get a job? If you've been around me, you've heard me say this. How in the world do I get a job where I, I, I'm up here talking all the time? I'm thinking, give me a break. I, I, I never envisioned this, not once. And the temptation is to run from it. The temptation is to run from the pressures of being a father sometimes. The pressures of, of, of being a manager. Ninety percent of my job is management. It's not preaching, trust me. Eighty percent if you just want to be generous. But it's really about 80 to 90 percent management. And so there's a whole business side to it. The money, the buildings, the facilities, the staff, and all the other stuff that goes with it. And so there's a, and, and there's a whole strategy thing you've got to have, you know, at least focused in your mind. Where are we headed? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? And it's generally, over the years, millions of dollars worth of thoughts you have to have. And so if you're not careful, you tend to run from that. But I heard something one time that really touched me. Uh, I don't know if it was Rita Franklin or someone. I, I, think, I think it was somebody told her, when you take the stage, take it. If you're going to do it, do it. Be a mama, for real. If you're going to be a boss, be a boss. If you're going to be in business, be in business. If you're a student, be a student. Teacher, be a teacher. Take the stage. Don't don't get up there and and, and Millie Mouse and pretend and act scared. I I, and I really understand, I understand how easy it is to be afraid. But this is a guy who from the very beginning is running from responsibility. And the question is, are you doing that? Are you tempted to run from your responsibility? Are you complaining about it? Things cost, so what? That's part of life. I own a house and I have trees. My trees have been very bad lately. (laughs) But they're my trees. My trees were leaning over into my neighbor's yard, pushing down his trees. Literally, about three of them, leaning over and pushing. His trees are like this. Ah! Here comes the pastor's trees. <laughs> and they're leaning back. I'm thinking, oh, my God. I went over. While I was walking in, on the side of my house. I said, trees. I tried talking to them. It didn't work. So I had to get a guy, right, to come down and fix the trees and cut them back. And they're still not doing it right. So I have to take more serious measures, which I'm working on now. I already got a bid for the serious measures. I won't say what they are. In front of my house, I'm driving in my driveway, and the trees again. Dropping leaves, big old limbs. I'm thinking, hey, someone talk to those trees. But those are my trees. Whose trees are those? Those are my trees. You're not helping me with my trees, right? No, those are your trees. My wife said, well, baby, I was driving, as a big limb. I said, okay. So I called them out, and they got the big lifts <laughs> Go up there, and they cut all the limbs out. And it's just, I'm glad they did because the storm came. I'm glad we, we got it all fixed. But then, then they told me, well, Pastor, let me tell you, one of your trees is weeping. I said, weeping, yes, it's got a, it's, it's got a mark around the branch, and it's, it's, like it's like it's crying, like tears. It's wet looking. I said, what does that mean? That means we've got to come back. Whose trees are those? Your trees. Those are my trees. And I have responsibility. I can't run from it. And I can't complain about it. I just have to understand the power of saving some money. Come on, say amen, right? Amen. And being clear that that's my responsibility. Those are your children. Your children. Can you say it slow? No, 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 no. My, my. my. This is the time to use the right one. Say my Children. Why can't you say it like you mean it? Come on, say those Those are. are, No, I'm sorry. Say these are are my my children." children. These are my children. These are my children. My grandchildren. My bills. My bills. My grass. I love my grass, but to keep my grass green, it costs money. So I let it go brown a little bit. Oh my grass! The grass. I'm sorry. I don't like the water bill. I'm sorry. Just, so my law man told me. Said, you know, you need to cut it on now, Pastor. I said, okay. I'm gonna cut it on. <laughs> cut it, on, cut it on for a day. Alright. Lord send some rain. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> but you know, I can, I can make it. I can afford it. But the point is, you just those are that's my grass. Those are my trees. This is those are my. This is, these are my kids. That's my responsibility. And I want you to say, no, if you're not careful. You can become a person who's unhealthy when it comes to viewing your responsibilities. You have to have a healthy attitude. Our church should have a healthy attitude. And I'm going to say this and move on because this is, I'm going to move on, I promise. Every time I see churches going out to ask other people to give them money to do things for their church, I have in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I get that. You know, like gleaners, you know, those little gleaners raising money. and, And I think it's your church. You live here, you go here. We should take care of our own business. How about an amen? amen. I don't think you should be a, knocking on your family members. I mean, if they want to give to us what we're doing, that's fine. But the main responsibility for the temple household is Ricky Temple. And I think overcome by faith is responsible for itself. Come on, say, these are my. These are my yes, keep like Come on, say, these are These are my. Responsibilities. responsibilities. And that's how I view it. And I think when you see it that way, it helps you. So that's the first sign that this guy was in trouble. Second sign was that he. The way he responded to the success of others. Now I don't need to read all this. This is a story that started in chapter 18, verse 5. It was when David became uh, one of his, what well, became his lead guy over his army. After in chapter 17 he slayed the lead, he slew Goliath. Now in chapter 18, here's a guy now who is growing in favor. Chapter 18, verse 5 says, so David went out and wherever Saul sent him, and behaved how wisely and Saul set him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of all the servants everybody likes him verse 6 now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that all the women had come out of all the cities singing and dancing and they were tambourines and they were singing a song Saul is playing his thousands and David his ten thousands and the verse 8 says Saul was very angry verse 9 said Saul from that day forward I'd David differently. He, he eyed David from that day forward in a way that wasn't healthy. Now, please understand, this is a sign that this is a guy who doesn't respond well to the success of others. He doesn't do well, when he, and you don't see this sometimes until you are forced to deal with people who are better at something than you are, who are gifted. How well do you respond to the success of others? So your sister has and you don't have, okay? Your brother has something you don't have. How do you respond? Let me tell you what's really fascinating. All you have to do is have an advantage over people in any way and get around them and watch them mock you for you, your advantage. If you get a nice house and you invite somebody over and they go, ah, you know, just get one of those. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or a nice car. Or if they perceive that you make money or they perceive anything, it, it's an amazing thing that you notice about people. How do you respond to somebody else's success? Can God bring people into your life who are more successful than you without you harassing them? Can you have anybody around you? Some women, it's amazing. You know, a woman can come on the job, she didn't do anything. She didn't do anything. She just walked on the job, but she is awesomely awesome looking. Hair goes wip out, and she's there. All her toes are straight. Nothing's crooked. I mean, just hate her, right? The so women just hate her, and she and she's quick, smart, drives a bad car, keeps her nail. Everything's just bam, and and everybody mm, and all the guys like her. See, now all of a sudden, all the women in the office can't stand her. I worked at a bank one time when I was coming up. I was in college. I worked at a bank. I had a lot of jobs. I worked at a bank, and um, I used to dress up every day. And I was broke as can be, broke as can be. I think I made a dollar eighty-five an hour, but I was sharp. <laughs> you might think that's a long time ago, but I remember when wages were that low it was a dollar eighty five an hour and I was dressed up like this with no money. And I caught the bus to work and I got off at California Federal. That's where I worked at, at the bank. And I used to work back in the high tech department. And what we did, we had a big machine, and that big machine used to, used to have cards in it, index cards, and they would alphabetized. And whenever somebody would call up from the main bank and say, we want to see if Ricky Temple has an account, they called down to me. I said, hello, man, I help you? Would you verify Ricky Temple has an account? And I hit a button. Doom, 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 doom. The machine would come around, and the card would come to T's, And I would pull out and say, yes, Mr. Temple does have an account with a million dollars. <laughs> in." Jesus, anyway. So that's, And that was high tech back then. That was high tech. And we used to have one computer in the whole office. One computer. And you just have to put data in that computer. And every time you go to it, you put, you, you know, you're supposed to new accounts or whatever. And I'd load it up. And if ever you did anything wrong, the computer wasn't quiet. It would go, bam, 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 every time you made a mistake. Bam, 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 And it was nothing but women. I was the only man in the whole department. Because I could type. See, I was the only man in the department. And, boy, they would talk about each other when the one would leave. Ah, look at her with her crooked hair. You know, and then that one would come back, and then the other one would talk about the other It was amazing. I said, y'all talk about everybody. Everybody talks about everybody. It's amazing how we struggle when we're around people who are better or have more success. There's a lot of competition. Saul was fine until he got around somebody. That was different. Are you like that? Are you the kind of person who tends to struggle when you see somebody advance past you? You didn't get the promotion, so you can't celebrate. In that, in that banking environment, I, it's like nobody celebrated anybody. It was always about who was better than, looked better than, who had the best man, who had the best whatever. It was, and all of us were making $1.85. <laughs> it was all broke. No, no, I'm sorry. It was 2.85. I get that right. It was 2.85. I don't cheat myself. It was two dollars and eighty-five cents. That's true. And I, I'm, there's something about being really clear in your head that this is a sign of being unhealthy. That's right. I should not look down on somebody else's success. David should. Saul should have said, "Great, glad they like you. I'm glad you're on my side." Instead, he saw him as a threat. The third thing that was a sign that this guy was headed toward being unhealthy was the way he responded to instructions. Now, I want you to listen carefully because this is a tough reading. Because what you're going to notice is in this, in this part of the study, Saul is given some instructions that are pretty painful. And, and by the way, let me say this. Saul had nothing to do with what was about to happen in terms of why it would happen. This was created by the Amalekites. But listen carefully. You'll see why this is important. Chapter 15. Verse 1. Now notice how, notice the, first of all the instructions he's given. Then I want you to notice how he responds to the instructions. Okay? Look at chapter 15, verse 1, 1 Samuel. Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish who? Amalek for what he did to Israel. Notice, I'm going to punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. And here's what I want you to look at me and think about for a second. When you read the Bible, the goal is for God to say, let me tell you how I work. Let me show you how things work out. And I want you to just learn your God from watching how I respond. So here's what's happening. The Amalekites, when Israel left Egypt, attacked them unfairly. Now they're about to be punished for that. This happened years ago. Sometimes punishment doesn't come in, in the same generation. Sometimes it, 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 and this is said in Exodus chapter 20. He says, your sins will follow you to the third and fourth generation. Sometimes we set a train in motion that later comes to roost. So here you have now, okay, the Amalekites about to be punished for what they did, okay, way back in those days. He said, I want you to utterly destroy. He said, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came out of Egypt. Now go, and this is, this is tough. Attack Amalek. Utterly destroy all that they have. Say all that they have. That they have. Do not spare. Come on. Them, them. But kill both man, woman, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. And that's painful. Here's, what, here's what's hard for me to, to, to accept. Some things I see happen are generational. The impact of... of um, Slavery on our country as generational. It has had generational impact. It didn't just happen back in 1865, 1760, none of that. It didn't, it didn't happen. This it, it goes way, way beyond the 1600s when it all started, way beyond that. This, this, this is traveling up first, second, third, fourth generation. Some of the stuff we're seeing today, some of the pain we feel in our culture, what we're doing now is Generational. It will be with us for years to come. And, I, and so I don't, I don't need to apologize for God. He said, this is what I did. This is what I told him. These were the instructions. What's interesting is how he responded. So verse 7, so Saul attacked the Amalekites. Back up train. Hold for a second. Back up. For some of you, that thought alone is really, really hard. But I want you to be clear. That's why he said in the Bible, be careful what you sow." Ricky Temple can sow seed today that will transfer to Ricky Jr., transfer to Milani, transfer to Milani's children, and his children's children. Go back in your family and be honest for a minute. They were getting drunk way back here. Now, we might say there's a reason for it. Depression, whatever, but now their kids are on drugs. Why are we surprised? Why are we surprised? The way you are managing your life today will have a generational impact on your life, and I want you to just think about that. Now I move on to verse seven. Saul attacked was Saul and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is, which is, which is east of Egypt. He also took, now this, watch, watch what he does. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. Well, he wasn't supposed to do that, right? And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword, okay? And Saul and the people spared Agag and the best, and the what did he spare? The what? best of the sheep, the best of the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. And were unwilling to destroy them. But everything despised, everything that was rotten and despised, and worthless, they utterly destroy. It's kind of like this. He had no problem getting rid of the bad stuff, but a bad problem getting rid of the good stuff. So if anything had value, he couldn't get rid of it. Are you the kind of person that can only give God your bad stuff? So if he asked you to surrender something that was really of value, would you have an issue with that? It, it? Notice what's hard for him. Getting rid of things of value. Showing off the king that he won, that was a big deal. Let me show you my trophy. I beat this guy. But that's not what he told you to do. Notice, he doesn't follow instructions, and that's a sign that he's not healthy. He doesn't do what he's told to do. And and there's something amazing (laughs) about being this way. There is this um, uh, tendency to think that I can go half the way. And be blessed. And I see this all the time when I counsel people. There's this partial obedient thing that we tend to settle for. I know I'm not doing all I should do, but there's really no plan to ever do it. I, I just kind of know it. And I don't ever plan to really change it. So Saul has made a decision. He's not going to give up the best to God. I'm only going to do part of it. I, I thought about that in my life, and I ran across a friend who was interesting. He, he challenged me in a way that was really amazing. We uh, used to give away used clothes, and, and I still do. If I have stuff that's you know, nice, I don't mind giving away stuff that looks really nice. So nothing wrong with that. But he said something to me. It was so simple. He said, um, I showed him. How, we were on East Broad Street, and I showed him we had this clothing rack full of stuff we gave away to you know, needy people. And he said, that's nice. He said, but we, we give away new stuff with tags on it. And I just kind of looked at him like, did I ask you that? Did I, <laughs> did I ask you? This is my moment. I'm just telling you what I do. But in that moment, he challenged my faith. As a matter of fact, just to leak out a little bit more about what he told me, I brought him out here in that same trip. I brought him out here to the property, and we were, it was three acres. I was going to buy three acres of land. There were 8.85 acres available. And I, um, I looked at it, and I thought, I said, "Well, we're going to buy about three acres of this, and it was thirty-three thousand dollars an acre, thirty-three thousand five hundred dollars or so an acre at the time. And when um, it was really amazing—that's that's another long story. But, but I—I um, I, so I was feeling pretty good because that was like the building we were in was sixty-five thousand when we bought it. We put forty thousand into renovating, so we spent a hundred thousand. So at that point in my life, I had not spent more than how much money." On a building, a hundred thousand, and I was not a homeowner yet. Somebody said, "Help, Jesus!" (laughs) So you have to understand, for me, that was a big deal, Mister Man. So I told him we're going to buy with pride a hundred thousand plus dollars worth of land out here, and he politely said, "That's nice, but why don't you just buy all eight point eight five acres?" And I just say, can you add? Times <laughs> thousand. I'm thinking you're out of your mind. Well, then he didn't stop there. He said, why don't you buy all this across the street and buy all this over here and buy. I said, he done flipped out. I told this brother. I'm buying three acres. How many acres does that I'm buying? Three. three acres. Well, you know, I got it all now in Jesus' name, huh? Isn't that amazing? End up with everything. Only thing we didn't buy was over here. Come on. Amen. We bought it all. Praise God. We bought it all. Close to 20 acres. Now, was across the street. There was um, uh, some land. It was a million dollars. The guy said, "Well, Pastor Ricky, he said, you know, that we would give you a million dollars. Now, you give us a million dollars, you can have it." I said, "Well, I don't think we need it." He said, well, what, "What would you need it for?" Well, we, I said, "Well, if I did buy it, I'd put a place where people who need homes, uh, people who need, you know, housing, trying to get their feet back up on their feet. I love us to build a place like that." And so, uh, the Lord blessed it. And uh, the city and the county got together and spent their $6 million and put it over there. Come on, come on, say amen. We, we thank the Lord for that. We, <laughs> we, we didn't need that. You can have them three acres over there. That's all good. But my point is, you know, it, 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 was, it was in those moments that somebody inspired my faith. Somebody said, no, you can, you can do this. I want you to believe that you can. Something about believing, trusting. That God's way can get you to a better place. When you follow instructions, you believe. Saul should have believed. I know God said, do it this, let me do it this way and trust him. And so he didn't. He didn't follow instructions. And he couldn't give away the best. Now, I want to say this and then I'm going to move on. I promise I won't stay on it long. Your giving habits, what you offer God of your life, your time, your money, says a lot about this. He asked for the best. He asked for him to offer up the best of everything. Whether it was good or not, I want you to give it all to me. And Saul refused. That was the turning point. And I want you to watch this last thing to me that's really amazing is once he's confronted, right? I want you to watch how he manages his failures. Now, he's caught. I want you to repeat this with me, please say, this is how Saul responded to his failures. Say, deny Deny, 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 lie, 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 and lie again. again. When he was caught red-handed, deny, 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 lie, lie, and lie again. We're in that same day and age. Deny, deny, deny. See, look, I can handle, watch this, watch this, watch this. Now, I'm going to see how honest you are. You ready? I'm going to put you on the spot. This is your big chance to lie now, okay? How many in here have ever in your life at any point once, at least once, told a lie? Thank you. I'm waiting for you to lie. Keep your hand down, all right? Thank you. Now, watch this, okay? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Deny, 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 lie, lie, lie again. I can accept that you're wrong. Just don't lie about it, okay? I I can accept that. I'm not not trying to be political. Don't get me wrong, because all of us on both sides, Democrats, Republicans, everybody can learn from this lesson. Don't deny, 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 lie, lie, lie again, okay? So I understand, I understand, you know, national security, you work for the CIA, you can't tell me I'm a CIA agent here to spy on You can't tell me that. I understand that. God knows that. We're all okay. You'll be all right. But if it's not something like that where you're trying to protect, I understand that. that to me, that's in a whole other category. But if, if a person, <laughs> if a culture develops a ha- habit of doing this, now watch, watch this dialogue. Watch what happens. Chapter 15, verse 13. Okay. Samuel said to Saul, Saul said to him, I'm sorry. Then Samuel went to Saul, rather, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. That's the first lie. Okay. Samuel said, What is then this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? I hear the sheep back there. Uh, and I, I hear the lowing of the oxen, which I hear. And Saul, Saul said, uh, They, come on, say they. They, they. Do they, they. my favorite punishment and say they. Pointed your neighbor. Come and say, they, 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 they they have brought them from the Amalekites for the who? People spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice. But they did it for a good reason. The ends justifies the means. They did it to do what? Sacrifice to the Lord your God. Hallelujah. (laughs) And the rest we've destroyed. But we all did it for worship. (laughs) And, but then, verse, verse, if I read the, read the whole chapter, he lies on, he keeps on lying. He lies and lies and lies. So Saul, Samuel says to him in verse 16, be quiet. Stop talking. You ever talk to people, you just have to say, stop talking. Just your children. So where, were, where were you? No, no, where were you? No, stop. Stop talking. Be quiet. And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Last night. And Samuel, Saul said, okay, speak on what the Lord told you last night. Not tonight, last night. Uh, Saul said to Samuel, I'm sorry, um, verse 17, I'm sorry. Uh, When you were little in your own eyes, when you were insecure, that's powerful when he said that. You were little in your own eyes. uh, Were you not head of the tribes of Israel? You weren't even a leader of the tribe of Israel. And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? I made you a leader. I believed in you. I put this opportunity in front of you. I gave you this chance. I gave you this opportunity. I gave you this wife, I gave you this family, I gave you this children, I gave you this job, I gave you this money, I gave you this business. When you were little in your own eyes, I gave you this. He forgot where it came from. Have you? And, Samuel, and Saul said to Samuel, watch this now. So he said, uh, I'm sorry, verse 18. The Lord sent you on a mission and said, go, this with instruction, destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, fight, and fight against them until they are consumed. And when, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? That's the question. Why didn't you obey? Verse 19. And why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil inside the Lord? Why did you take the stuff that was good? Saul said to who? Samuel, in verse 20 but I have obeyed lie 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 deny 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 I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone uh, on the mission on which the Lord sent me and I brought back a gag of the Amalekites and I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites but the people took the splendor and the sheep and the oxen it's amazing deny 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 lie 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 here's the moment when he should have said you're right but he didn't notice now verse 22 Samuel said has the Lord a gr- so great a uh, delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Here, can I rephrase that? Oh, and and and, obese. <laughs> and Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. But let me rephrase this. Does the Lord have as great a delight in you finding a man and loving, uh, coming to church and giving tithes and offerings, but sleeping with him every other day? Does God prefer you to be single? And not sleep with him every other day and come to church. Which one does does God prefer? I'm listening. I know. I'm hang with me. Does God does God care that you come to church but you beat your wife? Does God care? What's different? Obedience. This is the point. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Okay, so I preach. Who cares? But. If behind the scenes I'm getting high, I'm, I'm running around the country sleeping with everybody, and I'm not living right, and I'm beating down the staff, and I'm robbing you of your money, but yet I come and preach the gospel. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Obedience. Come on, say with me. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Here's his point. Don't bring me a sheep to sacrifice, and your life's a mess. You're not listening to my instructions you're you're not even honest about your failures tell you what let's start here i sin oh i'm preaching good (laughs) TV. i'm wrong that's a better starting place than to somehow blame the people your daddy your mama your cousin your friend this has got nothing to do with all of that the question is how willing am i to follow the instructions notice what he said he argues with God. He argues with Samuel. I have obeyed. He said, no, you have not. I right, listen for the sheep bleeding in the background. Oh, the sheep bleeding in your life in the background. There's two you. This you and the you is not, one we recognize outside this building outside of this moment, streaming in, watching this program. There's you that's watching this, and then there's a you. There's a whole nother person when you're on the Internet. Obedience. You Throwing stones, Pastor? No. No. I'm a sinner just like you. I am tempted just like you. Here's my prayer. Lord, help me focus, be focused, healthy, responsible and able to respond to the success of others of maturity. And no jealousy. I pray that I would completely and honestly respond to your instructions for my life, even if it means I must give up the things of great value. I understand that my actions can affect my families for generations. If I am wrong, help me admit my failure. Listen to correction. Not forget where you brought me from. Not lie about my level of obedience. And may I I never believe the ends justify the means. Jesus. Church, church, church. I must courageously, fo- I must courageously fo- be focused I must be courageously focused on these values if I want to be healthy obedience healthy obedience is better than sacrifice well Pastor Rick you picked on a couple of things I'm not picking on anything I'm just telling you what I see every day. I'm telling you what would be in my life if I wasn't careful. I, I am I'm in no way convinced that this would not cost you something. I hear it all the time. I don't want to be alone. So I'll do anything to be with somebody. But let me just tell you something. Success is lonely. There are moments when you do not get the joy of coming out to play when you are successful. There are moments when you will not have somebody to rub your back and tell you everything's going to be all right. There are moments when success demands that you stand by yourself, get up and get on that plane, and go on that trip by yourself. Success demands that you Face this as a single parent with courage and confidence. Sit down with your debt and deal with it. Face your sins and say, this is what I tend to do. And I know myself. That's why I cannot go over there because I know me. And this is why I can't continue in this conversation because I know I will hit you upside your head in four seconds from now. I know me. (laughs) Therefore, it is in my best interest to about face and turn around. I know myself. I will eat all of this cake, and I will need some shots in my arms and my hips. I will eat all kinds of shots, because I will eat it all. That's why I don't need to go and buy this cake. Come on, say amen. I do not put ice cream in my house, because I know I will eat every drop of it. I will eat one bowl at a time, and I will need to go see doctors after I finish. I know myself. I love ribs. I would eat all the ribs. All the cows better run. I'll, I'll chase them with hot sauce. I know myself. That's why I don't Come on, amen. Are you with me? I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I know me. You need to know yourself. Somebody say hi, say goodbye, say bye. That's all I can say to you to be saved. I can't say nothing but bye. If I say anything else, unsaved is going to show up. Hi, bye. That's all I can say. You're too good looking to say hi. I can't talk to you. When I talk to you, I got to pray right then. Jesus, come now. I need the Holy Spirit and the angels. Everybody, come oh chariot of God. Save me now. <laughs> Lift your hand up and say, tell the truth. Come on. Truth. Don't deny, deny, deny. Lie, lie, lie. Don't do that to yourself. Father, I thank you for this word today. I pray it's been helpful. I pray that we would leave this place encouraged today. I hope no one feels that I've picked on their failure or challenge. I just simply said these are the things that we have to sacrifice to be obedient sometimes. We are flawed people, striving, striving to not be vengeful, to not be hateful, striving to not live in a lifestyle constant strife because it's unhealthy and some of us have lived an unhealthy life but we can't continue to live that way so if there's anybody here today Father that doesn't know your Savior who needs to make this decision to know Jesus who doesn't know how let this be the moment that they invite you into their life. Say, I bring my brokenness, my flaws, my sins to you, oh God. I bring my repeated failures to you. And I acknowledge that I've been unhealthy. But I need you to come into my life. Save me, oh God. From myself. My thoughts, my heart, my mind. I need to be touched today with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're a person here who says Pastor, I need Jesus in my life what you said spoke to me my walk with God has not been where it needs to be as a matter of fact, I'm not really following God at all but I want to invite Him into my life today with every eye closed, every head bowed for your privacy just simply raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for if you say that's me, that's you anybody else say that's me, pray for me I see you, anybody else saying pray for me for me pastor i see you anybody else saying pray for me pastor you put your hand up put it right back down and be fine anybody else maybe you're home watching today thank you i see you as well and you're saying I, that applies to me father let this be something that touches the hearts of those who raise their hands and some who raise their hearts both here and at home let this be the beginning of a new day for them where they say jesus come into my life i surrender to you thank you for jesus who died on the cross to make this possible i bring my failures to you and i admit my need to start a walk with I want to follow your instructions. I want to be one who embraces my own failure and wrapping it in your word, knowing that I am forgiven because of Jesus. And so we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And Everybody say amen.